For those of you who, who are new with us tonight, um, my name is Aaron. I'm the high school pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And um, we are, we're in the, the third week of a series that we've been teaching called Blessed Are or Blessed Are. It's, it's a look at some of these statements that Jesus made on how we are to live our lives. As those who have a relationship with Jesus, how we're supposed to live our life. The first couple weeks, we looked at four things. We looked at these internal qualities that help us understand ourselves in light of who God is. We looked at what does it mean to be poor in spirit and realize that we have nothing to offer God. What does it look like to mourn over our, our sinful state? What, is it, what does it look like for us to be meek and to be humble? What does it look like for us to hunger and thirst for righteousness or right standing with God? This week, we kind of turn in the corner a little bit to the second half of the Beatitudes. The merciful and the pure in heart. Now, when I was a kid, I really loved my childhood. Even looking back, I, I really love my childhood. I love my neighborhood. I loved playing street hockey in the street. I loved playing in the dirt. I loved all of these things about my childhood. I loved my friends in the neighborhood. But some days, my friends and I would actually get into a little bit of trouble. Right? We might go too far from where our parents said that we could go. You know, they said, oh, stay on this street. We might take it over to the next street. We might, we might travel to the 7-Eleven around the corner without my mom knowing. You know, we ride our bikes. And, um, you, do, you do all these things, and you hope that your parents never find out. I know nobody knows what I'm talking about here. And so I'd always try to hide it, you know? I, I'd walk into the house, and my mom could always tell when something was up, you know? I'd come in, I'd, hi, no eye contact, you know, straight to my room. She could always tell when something was, was up. And uh, I'd try to avoid being in the same room with her, you know? And then eventually, you know how it goes, your mom and your dad always find out. I loved my childhood, but I didn't love those moments because I knew what I deserved, right? I knew what I deserved, and I hated knowing that I deserved that. And so what happens next is maybe similar to what happens in your house, but in my house, my parents would calmly walk in and say, let's have a conversation, have a seat right here on the bed, you know, as an as a six, seven-year-old, you go in, you sit with your mom on the bed, and she has this talk, and you know what you did, what's wrong, you know? And then it gets to the turning point, the thing that you really hate, turnover. Turnover. And immediately, it's like, no, mom, no, no, no. You put your hands right here. No, 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 no. And I would get real squirmy, and, 
your parents are always stronger than you, especially when you're six, and then they're just, psh, And later on in life, I was at a conference as I was a, a college student. I heard a guy stand up and he told a story about his son. He was, he was a minister, and um, he said every time that it came to that point for his son, he would say, turn over, turn over. And um, he'd lay his son over his lap, and right as he went to spank him, I think we've got a picture of it right here. Right as he went to spank him, his son would say, mercy, daddy, mercy. And his dad, being a, a minister, fully understood what mercy meant. And so he'd cry out, mercy, daddy, mercy. Father fully understood the term and took the time to show him mercy and not give him what he deserved. See, the father decided to show him kindness when he was in need. When his son was in need of kindness, the father showed him mercy. You see, mercy is not an emotion, but rather it's our response to human need. It is love reaching out to those who are helpless. Jesus told us, a different story in Luke chapter 10. He told us what he calls a parable, which means story, of the Good Samaritan. Anybody ever heard this story before? The Good Samaritan. The story goes a little something like this. There was a man who was traveling to a destination, and as he was traveling, he got jumped. All of his stuff got taken got beat up a little bit, and they left him. Took all his clothes, took all his money, took his brand new watch, took his, I mean, took his iPhone, everything. Straight jacked him. And they left him on the side of the road, and then along comes a priest. And it sounds kind of like a bar joke, right? There's this priest, and he comes along. It's not. This is a story Jesus told. And so the priest comes along, and instead of showing mercy to this man who, would, who was in need of help. What does the priest do? Whoops. I choose to walk on the other side of the road. I choose not to get involved. I'm busy. I've got somewhere to be. And so he goes on his way. Another man is journeying by. Some versions call him a temple assistant. Others call him a Levite. He was passing by. He sees the man in need of help. He also chooses not to show mercy. But then the third man comes by. He was a Samaritan man. And the Samaritans in that time were not seen as um, a group of people that were, that were much of anything. And the Samaritan comes by, and no one actually expects anything from a Samaritan, really. They expect something from a priest or something from a temple assistant. But this Samaritan man? And the Samaritan man comes by. He sees the man who had just been jumped. And what does he do? He stops. He shows mercy. He stops and helps the man. This is the way the Bible describes it. 
It says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you next time I'm here. Jesus turns to the group of people he's telling this story, and he says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who, had, who was jumped, who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, yes, now go and do likewise. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, for they will obtain mercy. The priest and the Levite may have had pity for the wounded man, but they did not show him mercy. See, pity and mercy are two different things. Mercy is an action. It's not just an emotion. Mercy helps those who are in need. You see, the merciful man made provision for the one who was in need. You guys have maybe heard it said this way. Those who know they are sinners are merciful and have compassion on others because they know they are sinners too. Remember when we talked about the idea of being poor in spirit? All of us are in the same place. We've all missed the mark. None of us have lived a perfect life. And so because we recognize that we have nothing to offer God on our own, it puts us all in the same place where we don't elevate ourselves, oh, I'm better than this person or better than this person. No, we're all sinners. Those who, are know, those who know they are forgiven can't help but to forgive. You see, merciful people have rid themselves of all these levels of Christianity, and they rid themselves of all comparison, thinking that they're better than the next person sitting behind them. The merciful know that we're all in the same sinking boat unless Jesus steps in. The promise we see in the next verse is that blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When the Bible speaks of heart, rarely does it talk about a physical organ. In fact, the Bible speaks of heart over 800 times. None of those times does it speak about a heart like this. So blessed are the pure in heart. What does he mean? He's talking about the totality of the inner person. He's talking about the seat of our emotions, motives, attitudes, and the center of the total person. So here's what it is. This chair right here is a seat. When it talks about the heart, that's a seat in here. That the total the totality of a person sits on that. The mind, the will, the emotions, the motives, all of that sits on the seat in someone's heart. That's what the heart means in the Bible. It means the total person in the entire being. So he says, blessed are the pure in heart. What about pure? Pure, yes, it speaks of a moral quality, but it actually speaks of much more than that. You see, something that's pure 
100% something, right? Whether it's a, a bar of soap or whether it's an orange, an orange is 100% orange, right? Doesn't, if it's 100% of something, there's not a portion of anything else, right? So when it says the pure in heart, it means an undivided heart, an undivided loyalty to the things of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. This single-mindedness around the things of God is what it means to be pure. A pure heart describes a person whose single-minded loyalty to God has affected every area of their life. Those who have an undivided heart will see God as the promise. Has anybody in here ever seen God before? It's kind of like this. If I said, has anybody ever seen the wind before? You would say, well, no, I've never seen the wind. But I I can see what the wind does. I can see the activity of the wind. I can see the trees blow. The same is true for God. We don't see God, but we see the effects of God. We see the activity of God. And when this says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, what he's really saying is they'll see God in every area of life. They'll see the activity of God. When you've got a pure heart, an undivided heart that's committed to God, that's loyal to to God and the things of the kingdom, you will see God. You'll begin to see him working in different ways you've never seen him working before. You begin to see God working even in the midst of a tragedy that we're facing today. Pure in heart will see God. The cool thing for us in this room tonight that when it says they will see God is it's not just about seeing the activity of God in our friends or in our family or in people that we know. I know that um, from speaking with Danny's mom earlier today, Jay, when I spoke with Jay, she said, I could see the activity of God in Danny's life. I'd walk in in his room and I'd see him reading his Bible. She's like, not just once, but a couple times. I could see the activity of God in his life. She told me that he was the one that would say, Mom, maybe we should go to church today. I could see the activity of God in his life. TJ, Danny's dad, was telling me that that Danny would do anything for any one of his friends. He was always that type of guy that would care for people and go the second mile. He could see the activity of God in Danny's life. But the cool thing about this when it says that they will see God is that it also speaks of this final state, not just here and now and the things that we do, means that we will see God in heaven for eternity. Today, Danny sees God. Today, Danny is in a better place. As believers, our hope is that one day we will not face the pain of this world anymore. The Bible tells us that in heaven there will be no more sorrow. tells us that heaven is a place with no tears and no pain. 
So the pure in heart, those who have an undivided loyalty to God, where God has the first place in their life. He is the first priority in their life. They will see God here and forever in eternity. The story of the Good Samaritan is more than you just reaching out and helping those in need and being merciful to those who need mercy. It's actually a great picture of what Jesus has done for all of us. Think about it. In our sin, we need to be rescued. We need to be helped. We are the ones who are in need of God's mercy, aren't we? People try all sorts of different ways. Try this, try that. So some people might pass by, priest, the Levite passes by, some different ways. Try this, try this. And they never quite work out. The Samaritan comes by as the picture of Jesus, and he comes by and he rescues this man who was in need. He showed him mercy. And Jesus shows that mercy to us. And you see, he didn't just leave. The Good Samaritan just didn't leave that man after he helped him once. He said, no, 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 no. I'm actually going to leave you in the care of the innkeeper. I'm going to leave you at the inn. I'm going to pay for everything there at the inn. You see, Jesus rescues us from our sinful condition. He shows us mercy and then leaves us in the care of the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter. He is our guide. He is our friend. And he teaches us what's right and what's wrong. You see, Jesus paid our bill at the end, at the inn, so we could be made spiritually whole again. Just as the man who was jumped and left at the side of the road was beaten and needed to be made physically whole. So Jesus comes in and makes us spiritually whole again. As the band prepares to come, I want to leave you guys with a final statement. I believe these two Beatitudes can be boiled down to one statement. That we are to live with a single-mindedness. That each and every one of us would be single-minded in our living. And that we would be mercy-giving. That each and every one of us would be single-minded that God would be the first place in our life. And that because he's the first place in our life, we will extend mercy to others. If you guys would, stand on your feet. I'd just like to pray for you. Father, we thank you so much for your mercy, God, that we don't get what we do deserve. God, we thank you for that mercy. And we pray that we'd be able to extend that mercy to other people, that we would look out in the midst of a hard time that we're facing right now to our friends and our loved ones who are in need. 
We wouldn't just look out for our own concerns, but look out for the concerns of others and show them mercy. God, would you give us eyes to see you? Would you give us eyes to see your activity in the earth? We want to see you, God, for who you are. Would you make us a group of people, a group of students that are single-minded in our living and that are mercy-giving to all those we come in contact with? Pray these things in your name.